0: you have your Bibles, if you will please turn in them to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, our scripture passage can be found on page 981, I believe, in the Bibles and chairs in front of you if you need a Bible. And as you're turning there, I will just make mention again, I hope you'll all join us downtown for our cookout this evening. Even if you didn't sign up, please come. It should be a wonderful weather you've never walked around this area down there, downtown, it's it's very beautiful. It's looking to be like a nice fall day. So please join us. Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 into chapter 4 verse 1 It's going to be our passage this morning. This is all really one thought, one passage in, in Greek. That's kind of why it goes into verse 1 of chapter 4. So uh, big, big passage, lots of verses to work through here. Let's read God's holy word and ask him to bless our study of it. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory is their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your holy word. And we pray for eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts and minds to understand the truth that these pastoral words have for us this morning. We pray your spirit would enlighten our minds. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that's most frustrating to me about my life is that I'm not who I want to be. I'm not who I want to be. What I mean by that is, I'm, I'm not the Christ like husband that I want to be. I'm not the, the intentional father that I want to be. I'm not the faithful pastor I want to be. I'm not the godly man that I want to be. But the truth is, I want to be. I, I want to be better. I want to grow and mature in Christ. I I want to, to grow as a Christian. I'm not satisfied with where I am, like so many areas of my life. Maybe you can identify with this, this morning. You're not quite where you want to be in your spiritual growth. Well, so could the Apostle Paul. He too could identify with this sentiment. Paul, the greatest pastor, the greatest missionary, the the greatest Christian who has ever lived, he too sympathized with this struggle of not being who he wanted to be. So in our passage today, the great pastor, the Apostle Paul, will lay out for us what it looks like to, to move from where. We want to be now in the Christian life to where we hope to be, to where we want to be. And so that's why I've said that this passage this morning is a a portrait of spiritual maturity. It, It paints for us a picture of someone who is in Christ, but is not satisfied with where they are in their growth in Christ. And so Paul's pastoral encouragement here to the Philippians is not just a Rest in your decision that you made one time. He's not saying to just make sure you show up at church each week. But he is saying to keep going. Look at this language here in this passage. Keep going. Press on. Strain forward. Stand firm. And he on and on and on with many. Uh, really, these are metaphors of, of athletics. He's using the, the, the athletic metaphors to demonstrate the Christian life. This is one of the Apostle Paul's favorite ways to describe the Christian life, is that of an athlete. He also uses others, farming and agriculture. He uses military metaphors. He uses architectural metaphors. But he keeps coming back to these athletic, these training metaphors chief among them, you may recall, when he told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, do you not know that in a race, all runners run in such a way as to get the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will last, that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever says, run the race of the Christian life. This is what spiritual maturity looks like. It looks like a race, the race of the Christian life. And he says, run in such a way that you want to win. You want to get the prize. And that prize is the crown of life, eternal life. This is how the Apostle Paul encouraged the brothers and sisters in Philippi to pursue Christ in their daily lives to never be satisfied with the Christian life, to always want to know Christ more and more and more. That's what he was saying back in the previous passage, that he wanted to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, sharing in his suffering and and knowing him more and more and more and more. That's what spiritual maturity looks like. That is what this passage is about. He is, in a sense, answering the question, what does it look like to be a mature and equipped follower of Christ? So I want us to look at four marks here of spiritual maturity from this passage. There are so many others for us in the Scripture, but let's just look at these four that he mentions here. The first is, spiritual maturity looks like moving forward in the Christian life. Secondly, spiritual maturity looks like Staying true to the faith. Thirdly, spiritual maturity looks like imitating other godly examples, examples. And fourthly, spiritual maturity looks like having the right mindset. Let's look at those things. The first is, and you'll see this in uh, verses 12 through 15, spiritual maturity is moving forward in the Christian life. Again, notice this language here. Very Again, athletic, moving, effort language Straining forward, pressing on. This is what spiritual maturity looks like. It's always moving forward, never stopping, never resting, always growing, always maturing. That's why he refers back to, if you notice in verse 12, he says, not that I've obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my my own. What is this and it? He's referring back to the perfect righteousness, the desires by faith in Jesus Christ. And he's saying, I have this, but I don't have it fully. <laughs> there is that crown of life. There's that ultimate reward that we will have when Christ returns. And that's what he says when, I have, when he says, I have not obtained this righteousness. I'm not perfect, Paul says, because he know back what he says at the beginning of the letter, that God who began a good work in his life, he's not done yet. There's still more work to be done in his life. Isn't it amazing to think that the Apostle Paul, again, I would argue the most mature Christian to have ever lived, even he could say that he was not perfect, nor had he reached perfection in the Christian life. What he means by this is that he still had a lot of growing and maturing to do in the Christian life. So if Paul can say this, how much more true is it for us it is also encouraging that if Paul still had growing and maturing to do, and in being a follower of Jesus Christ, that Jesus can help us too, right? If he wasn't done yet with Paul, he's not done yet with us, right? If he gives Paul the, the power to grow and mature, then he will us too, right? So t- Twice the Apostle Paul describes this spiritual growth by saying that he presses on. I press on, he says. Interesting, when you look up the meaning of this word in Greek, it also could mean to persecute, which is kind of weird. You wouldn't say I persecute on. But what Paul was doing was making a play on words back to the passage before when he said, hey, before I was a Christian, if you really wanted to know how zealous I was for God, look how I persecuted the church and those who were followers of the way. I was was religious about that persecution. And here now, Paul says, all that zeal, all that energy, all that effort, I am now making me, it is now making me and giving me the energy to press on, to grow, to mature, to strive in the Christian life. That's where I want my effort and my zeal to go, Paul says. And not only does he press on, But he makes it his life goal, he says, to forget what lies behind. Forget what lies behind. How many of us here this morning need to forget what is behind us? How many of us this morning are troubled by our past, past sins, past failures? And yet God's word calls us to forget what lies behind But here, for Paul, that meant he was to forget how he was resting on confidence in his own flesh. That's what he was saying. In other words, I understand now that putting confidence in my flesh, my own effort, worshiping myself was was not getting me anywhere. Now I want to move forward in the Christian life to what lies ahead, to that ultimate prize of knowing Christ Jesus and being with him forever. He calls this straining forward, another athletic metaphor he uses, not only pressing, pressing on, but straining forward. Think, if you will, of that, that runner who is leaning his chest out to, to cross the finish line to get that extra few centimeters as he finishes the race, straining forward, moving ahead. That is what spiritual growth looks like. That is what the Christian life is like. We're not perfect. We have not obtained all that God has for us because the race is not finished. I love the way Sinclair Ferguson refers to what the Apostle Paul is grappling with here. He's saying that basically what is, what is going on here is that Paul has a, a dissatisfied satisfaction. A, a, a dissatisfied satisfaction. Of course Paul was, was satisfied with Christ and gloried in his Redeemer, but he was dissatisfied with his spiritual progress. He wanted to to keep growing in the Christian life, pressing on and finishing the race. So the idea here is progress, pressing on. The Christian life is a journey. It's It's a walk. It's a marathon. And the goal is not to run as fast, or even as slow as those around us, but to run the race that God has called for us, to run the race that God has set before you, to, to, to don't quit, don't be satisfied with where you are. Keep moving on. This is the Christian life, always moving forward, always growing, always progressing. Paul is not talking about earning your salvation. He's talking about growing in your salvation, which we have defined already as sanctification. Putting behind what lies ahead, putting off sin, and moving forward, pursuing righteousness. That's the first mark of spiritual maturity. Second mark of spiritual maturity is staying true to the faith. True to the faith. Look there in verse 16. He says to the brothers and sisters, only let us hold true to what we have obtained that is salvation by grace through faith in christ jesus hold true this analogy here is a is a is a metaphor for a a military this is a military word to to march in line to hold true the most disciplined people on this earth are our military You see them marching in line and following orders. The idea here is that in the Christian life, we too are to stay true to the faith. We are to live live up to the calling that God has called us to. In other words, if you say you are a Christian, then live like a Christian. If you say you are a follower of Christ, then we follow Christ. We hold true to this. This is not a call to perfection, but it is a call to not being satisfied with where you are in your spiritual maturity. It means that we are to stay true to what we know and what we have learned about Christ, and we are to hold on to it and never let it go. Children, I think of you when I think about holding true to the faith. This is so important for you to learn. Many of you, as young boys and girls, have made a profession in Christ, in faith, of faith in Christ, and this is a wonderful thing. But my prayer is that you'll not be satisfied with that profession, that you'll not just say, yes, when I was eight years old, I, I sat up in church and said, I believe in Jesus, but that you will see that it was just the beginning. It didn't start and stop there. It goes on forever and ever. We always want to know Jesus and never be satisfied with knowing more about him to keep growing. But that's true for all of us, right? That's not just for children. We must all keep growing and hold true to the faith. I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's so encouraging to me to talk with saints. We have lived 80, 90, nearly 100 years, and to see them staying true to the faith, that their marriages are secure, they've been married for over 60 years, their, their walk with the Lord has continued for decades upon decades, they hold true to what they know and what they've learned about Christ, and they say, I'm not done yet. I got more growing to do. I'm still learning this and that every day. May God give us the strength to be the same, to do the same. And that's a good lead lead into our third mark of spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity means you look to imitate other godly examples. Look there in verse 17. Paul says, brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Think about that. I'm not sure I would say that to anybody. Hey, why don't you just imitate me and your life will be great. (laughs) But why would Paul say that? What he is saying here is that, brothers and sisters, we want to see you growing in your faith, maturing. And there are those who have been walking with Jesus for many years now. And those are folks that you are to imitate. Not those who have confidence in the flesh, but those who are moving forward, who are growing, who are setting an example of the Christian life before you. Imitate them. And of course, many of them were trying to imitate Paul. He was the first Christian they had ever seen or ever known. A lot of pressure on him, right? When I was in college, I believe one of the things that the Lord used to save me from going down the wrong path was by putting some godly, mature upperclassmen in my life. To me, these men were mature and stable, and they wanted to give God glory in all they did. And I wanted to be like them. I saw they had something that I didn't. I saw that they were walking with the Lord in a way that I needed to. One such friend that I looked up to and really respected, he had a a younger brother join him in college years later. And his older brother was very respected on campus, it was a model of godly character. And I'll never forget his younger brother saying one time, he said, I know a lot of you respect and want to emulate my my older brother, but I don't. He said, I want to respect and be like the one my older brother is trying to be like. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought, man, that's it. That's it right there. We follow others as they seek to follow Christ. This is what... Paul means when he said to imitate me and watch others who are living godly lives before you. That's what Paul means here in this passage. And one of the ways that we can progress in the Christian life, that we can grow in spiritual maturity is by finding other godly men and women who have been walking with Christ for a long time. And we watch them, we model them, we learn from them, we talk to them, we ask them questions. This is actually a paradigm that is set over and over and over in Scripture. And look, there's no age on this. It's not like, okay, I'm 60 years old now. I better be an example. Teenagers, you're to be an example to my children. It says, let the younger men and women serve as examples to those who are younger. Uh, Grandparents, there's some struggling parents around here who could really use some encouragement for you to to, to love on them and pray for them and to help them in in life. We're all to be examples to one another. This is one of the chief ways that God uses to help us mature and grow in the Christian life. There's also some bad examples that Paul warns the Philippians to watch out for. He calls them enemies of the cross. He says their minds are set on earthly things. They may be in church, but they are not followers of Christ because their lives do not show fruit of spiritual maturity. But like I said before, there are those who have been faithful to Christ for many, many, many years who have proved to be models of faithfulness. Imitate them. Learn from them. Get to know them. This, means, this is a means that God has ordained to help you grow. This is why in this service right now we have people in here from 2 to 92 <laughs> because we're all learning and growing and we need each other. This is also one of the reasons why I love our new community groups. And you need to know that your elders are very intentional about having these, these groups be uh, geographically based because we've seen that it will have will bring young and old and mature and immature folks all together to help us grow because... Let's be honest, we would just be gravitating toward people our age or toward people in our stage of life or uh, people that we're comfortable with when we need to be around other brothers and sisters that will help us grow, and we can learn, and they can pray for us and help us. The fourth mark of spiritual maturity here, the Apostle Paul says we're to have the right Mindset. In verse 15, Paul states that the Christian life is about growing and maturing, and we are to think this way. He says, think this way. This is your mindset. In other words, our mindset is to be different from the world. We're not focused on worldly things. We're not focused on the flesh. Our mindset is set on Christ." What is this mindset that we are to have? I love the way Paul described it in Colossians, our scripture reading this morning. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this world. In other words, what drives us in life, what causes us to want to grow and to move forward in life is not more money. It's not more things. It's not more possessions, it's not more fame, it's not more worldly happiness. What is to drive us in the Christian life is being with Christ forever. That crown of life that will never fade. Think about that. So we must constantly be exercising and improving this mindset. Paul uses another athletic metaphor to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.8. He says, for while... Bodily training is of some value, so some value, we got to exercise, sorry. Godliness, training in godliness, he says, is of value in every way because it holds promise in this present life and for the life to come. I don't know exactly what the life to come is going to look like. The scripture gives us some hints and some pictures. But when the Bible says that there's something that you're doing right now that you'll also be doing for eternity, then we need to grow in that. That's why pursuing godliness, that's why singing hymns and praises and hearing the truth of the word of God is something we will be doing forever and ever and ever. So we must have this mindset. And one of the most important ways that we make sure we have this right mindset is to understand that we have a new mindset. Citizenship. Look there in verse 20. The Apostle Paul says, Our citizenship is in heaven. Now, if this is not a word for the 21st century, I don't know what is. I mean, we live in an extremely politically charged culture right now. I have had folks who have lived much longer than me have told me that they think it is as bad as it's ever been. I'm like, Really? Really? Are you sure? <laughs> I mean, I believe that this is partly because we live in this, uh, this instantaneous media culture where everything's supercharged and everything's right now, uh, but it's, it's, it's not good. And the world tells us, this is what the world tells us, the most important thing is whether you're an American or not. Or the most important thing is whether you are a Republican or a Democrat. Or the most important thing is who, what team you cheer for. Or the most important thing is... Fill in the blank. Think about it. Think about the identity crisis our world is having right now to tell you who you need to belong to and who you need to follow. The word of God comes and corrects us very clearly. Our citizenship, our identity is not in this world. It is in Christ. It is in Christ our hope is found. Our hope is not in who's on the Supreme Court. And if you think that and believe that, and if that's worrying you every day, you will be disappointed over and over and over and over because our citizenship is in heaven. Our hope is in heaven. You will never find a Savior on Capitol Hill. I promise you. You won't. And you will not find security in how much money you have in your retirement plan. You won't. We're going to enjoy an awesome cookout fellowship downtown, but that's not where we're going to be forever. Our citizenship is in heaven, and our gaze is upward to a Savior to return who will do something so amazing, so glorious, so much more awesome than anything we can imagine. Look at verse 20, what he says. Christ is going to come and he is going to transform, verse 21, he's going to transform our worn-out, tired, wrinkly body and give us a new glorious body. The scripture says that you and I are too unholy, too unworthy to stand before a glorious risen Christ. And so Christ is going to do something about that. He is going to transform our bodies, and they're going to be awesome. They're going to be like the 40-year-old NFL players who are still playing in the NFL somehow. You know, Think about that. He is going to give us a new glorified body, and this is such amazing news to us who are, of us who are aching and creaking as we get out of bed this morning. Some of you doctors are going to be out of the job. I'm sorry. But that's good news. And therefore, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things that will not satisfy, not on these bodies that will be one day renewed. These things cannot and will not satisfy. Brothers and sisters, Christian life is a race. So we need a new mindset as we run this race. We must press on each and every day. I'll be honest with you, I don't really like to run, but I see the benefits of running. I admire people who run, but if you told me, hey, Wilson, if you just run five miles and you finish all five of those miles without stopping, and, and you will guarantee me that you will never have health problems again, I will take off running right now. I will finish that five miles, I promise you. Well, the Christian life is like that, except the prize is not a healthy life. It's not fame. It's not pats on the back. The prize is that there is a Savior at the end, Jesus. So the way we gain strength and confidence and endurance to finish the race, to To run when we don't feel like running is to look to the one who's already finished the race. The one who's already run on our behalf, finished for us. This is why the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. How do we do that? We look to Jesus, he says who is the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So to summarize, we run with endurance by keeping our eyes and our minds fixed on Jesus, knowing that one day we will win the prize, and that prize is being seated on the throne with him forever. This is the way that maturing and growing believers are to think. We press on, we move move forward because we want to be more like Jesus. And we want to be with him forever. Matthew Henry stated, The believing hope and prospect of eternal life should make us steady and constant in our Christian course it's to stand fast in the Lord is to stand fast in His strength and by His grace. Therefore, brothers and sisters, let's stand firm. Let's stand firm in the strength of the Lord and in His might. And may God give us the grace to keep going, to keep growing, to keep pressing on toward the goal, knowing that the goal is to be with Christ and to be with Him forever. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we freely confess to you that we are too easily satisfied by the things of this world. We confess to you that we too easily misplace our hope in things of this world. We confess to you that oftentimes we get lazy and don't want to move forward in the Christian life. Lord, we confess to you these things knowing that we are weak, you are strong, we are not good runners, Christ has finished the race, we are not home yet, but Christ is calling us there, oh Lord, we eagerly await his return, and we pray, come Lord Jesus, come. But until then, Lord, please give us the strength to grow, to press on in spiritual maturity. We pray this in the name of our perfect Savior, Jesus. Amen.